As a business leader, you know attracting top talent is just the beginning. Real growth happens when you lead yourself and others well. Creating a company culture that attracts, nurtures, and retains the best of all things. We'll teach you how to make an impact through a holistic leadership approach. Reframing success in leadership. This is the Talent Magnet Institute podcast with your host, Mike Sipple Jr. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Talent Magnet Institute podcast. I have the distinct pleasure today to be sitting across from Robin Throckmorton, the president and founder of Strategic HR Inc. Robin has also served on the advisory board for GitDot, is a member of Impact 100, has served on the board of Southwest Ohio Regional Workforce Investment Board, as well as Council on Aging. Robin, thank you so much for joining us today in the studio. Oh, thank you, Mike. It's a pleasure to be here with you today. So I'm really excited to have a discussion with you, Robin, around women entrepreneurship. In my career, doing what I do, you have had your organization now for 24 years, and being in the space that we're in here at Centennial and the Talent Magnet Institute, I feel like I've known you my entire career, it, and it you've ran <laughs> and you've ran a successful growing, vibrant organization, one that's very well thought of in the community, one that has the um, the pull through with organizations all over this community because of what you give back and how you impact and the value you create. So you've been a successful leader in this community for many years, and I'm looking forward to talking about the story that goes along with that, right? The inspiration that led you to create your organization, the potential challenges or uphill battles that you have fought and won as a leader, as an entrepreneur, and the implications being a woman leader in this community and what that has meant and if there are things you've had to overcome or if there are just simply things that you want us to know as business leaders of how we can make sure that we're valuing and being very inclusive in the way we look at leadership in this community. So let's dive in. Yeah, that's a lot to cover, but it sounds (laughs) like a lot of fun. A lot to cover. Is there a story that underlines what inspired you to decide to start your own business? It was more like the moons and stars were aligned, if that makes sense. Um, I had grown up with a family-owned business, so my grandparents' business that passed on to my parents, so I was used to that entrepreneur side of things. But I was working out at the Department of Energy facility out at Fernald with one of the contractors at the time, finishing my master's degree in HR, and nine months pregnant. And I was asked to write a voluntary reduction in force package that would entice someone like me to take it. And I don't know why they were surprised when I took it, but having a professor like Linda Gravitt saying, you should be going into consulting, the stars were just all aligned with, you need to do this. This is the time to do it. You love being an entrepreneur, and you got a lot of support and encouragement for others. So I did and had our first client within a month of leaving there and having my son. Wow. And was there an active coaching relationship with Dr. Linda Gravitt, or was there a that led to that, or was just a person reaching out to you saying, hey, I think you should do this? Not even sure how to say that, because Linda has been a mentor to me for all 24 years in the business, mm-hmm. and even prior to that, she, I like I said, I met her in the master's program, but she's been an inspiration, a mentor, a guide. I mean, when you ask what you need in a business is you need someone like her. No matter what I run into, she's always been a resource that I could go to and say, how would you handle this? Or did this ever happen to you? And so we had built a relationship through the master's program, but continue to grow and build that. Even today, we still are that together. She's my inspiration. She'll say I do the same for her, but I couldn't be where I am today without her. Wow. 
Wow. Thank you for sharing. I know we talk a lot to leaders and with the Talent Magnet Institute podcast, and it's amazing to me how it takes one person to encourage the leaders that we interview. You know, when we talked to Mehmet Yuksik, when he was in high school, there was a teacher who inspired him to say, hey, the world's bigger than Istanbul. And I would encourage you to go find out what that means and be global and think bigger. And and teachers, we've heard so many teachers come up in our episodes of like this one, even for me personally, I had a couple teachers who were extra hard on me <laughs> in high school. Yep. And to this day, one of them I'm very close to, and she always drops a word of encouragement here and there to Amber and I, both my wife. And that's what she did for, guess what, all students she was around. Right. It wasn't just me that felt like she's taken the special interest. It's all of our classmates that we still talk today about the power of Miss Gregory's encouragement and Miss Stein's encouragement. So that's great. And that's encouragement to all of us that if you see that potential in someone, don't think it, say it. I was going to say the best thing you can do is learn from that and then continue paying it forward to others as you see that opportunity, whether it's mentoring a college student or someone that thinks they want to get into your profession or wants to go in business, it's paying it forward. Absolutely. Help them provide that encouragement, information, details that they need in order to move forward. Absolutely. And I would assume the life cycle of business was that first client you landed, you led. And now you have a very robust organization with 30 plus employees? We have about 18 employees 18? and okay. maybe about 100 others that are adjunct staff that like Talent Magnet Institute that we can yeah. call up and say, hey, I got a great opportunity for. Okay. So, but yeah, it, when I started 24 years ago, I had no idea I'd have the size organization today. So it was me and it was interesting. My first client, I don't tell people to do it this way, but I saw an ad in the newspaper for a contract recruiter. I'm like, yeah, I can do that, but that's not really what I want to do. I want to do more HR work. And I told them that in the interview. And there's still a client that I work with today. Wow. So yeah, you just have to see those opportunities and make them work for you. When you started out on that journey, did you have a vision for what it is today? Or was it just, I just knew I wanted to do something different and I wanted to get into the entrepreneurial world? I think the biggest thing, and I look backwards now and can really see it, was I really left to have a lot more flexibility. I said I was pregnant with my son at the time, so I knew I wanted to not work 80 hours a week and have kids. So it was really more, how can I get a little bit more flexibility and be able to continue to do some of the things I really enjoy doing from a career and work perspective. So my goal was to do that. When I look back at it now, that's kind of how I've handled the business and the employees on the team is we try to have a really flexible work environment so people can have a balance with families and life as well as work. So it really has continued that same vision is really trying to help provide that opportunity for myself and others. That's great. And are there individuals, do you find, that love the ability to work on specific projects that bring their best talents forward, but they're also part-time that allows them to kind of balance life and work together? Absolutely. Yeah. We have a number of employees on our team. We have some that are part-time and you just described exactly what they're doing. Okay. We, we tend to flex around summer breaks and spring breaks and those types of things, which makes it challenging for a business, but also worthwhile because you know it really helps them and allows them to continue to have that same feeling I did is I want to have my family life and be able to have that balance, but I also don't want to give up the opportunity, the energy you get from working on some of those things that you enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that we've experienced for those who know our search firm business, you know, we have 15 employees, but six to seven are full time. And some of our longest standing employees have worked part time 
and Centennial, you know, won 11 years, won eight years, won seven years. Even Becky Sheeler, who runs a large portion of our business today, is one of the top leaders in our company, started out with us somewhat part-time as she was raising children. And now she's running a large portion of our organization and is my, you know, right hand. Chris is my left, Becky's my right. And the amount of one, the skill sets and the vision and the perspectives that we have on our team are what make our team possible to do business all over the world and their commitment to the team. And it's something that we really value that, wow, we really have become known as a place that has flex work schedules and has flexibility and is open and you can come and go as you wish to our site, our office space, but you can also get stuff done from anywhere in the world and what you're doing and just the opportunity to really engage people well. You know, when we look at workforce pipeline, you got to find the best people and you got to be flexible to attract the best people to your team. And it sounds like you and I, again, I've learned some of that from you. As I say, you described a lot of our workforce, but we know it works and it's it's hard to convince other business owners to make that leap, you know, commit to somebody that might be part-time, but might be willing to be full-time in five years. But you do, you're right. You get a great pool of talent, a lot of passion from them, a lot of commitment from them. And you're kind of giving back to them at the same time. So it's really helped our workforce a lot. We have an office, but only Wednesday staff meetings, I think, is the only day we have everybody there. Otherwise, people are either at a client's office or working remotely or having a little bit of flexibility. Yeah, absolutely. Are there barriers that you had to overcome as a woman executive in this marketplace and things that you have felt that, well, I know they're not intending that to feel awkward to me as a woman leader, but it sure does, or anything that you have felt in that journey as a woman executive? It's interesting. I think some of the things that Linda taught me early on was building your own confidence. And you got to find the place where confidence doesn't become arrogance. And that's been something that I still work on to this day. But especially when I started the business, I was young and female, which at the time didn't work very well in my favor. <laughs> but it was something that I, it was funny. I always have looked young for my age. So I found myself trying to look older, if that's even something that someone ever would want to do. Mm. Today, you don't worry about that when you're 50 years old. <laughs> but trying to make yourself look older to be able to get that credibility. I still remember a story that I shared with Linda. I went and interviewed with someone that might have been a vendor or a partner that we'd share services with, and it was to do some training with them. And we had a great conversation, but a couple of comments like, you know, you're younger than my children or that type of thing in the middle of the conversation. And as I left, he shook my hand and said, well, I love everything about you, but there's no way I can put you in front of my clients. You're too young and you're female. They just wouldn't work with you. And it was just one of those like, it's actually going to be your loss at the end of the day because you've just heard everything I can do and could do for you. And if you're just simply deciding no because of my age and my gender, sorry. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it was funny that that happened. And even today, my husband joined the company four years ago. And I can't tell you how many conversations we'll get in, whether it's a business setting or a personal setting, and the conversation's directed at him. And people assume that it's his business. And he will quickly say, I just joined the company four years ago. You need to be talking to Robin. She's the one that started this. And it's funny to see the expressions on their face. And I almost do it now on purpose just to see, you know, who they go to and how they respond when he redirects them over to me. So you still see it today. But I would hate to even complain. I mean, the things that we've been able to get to for women in business and leadership roles are so far better than what they might have been five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years ago. Mm. So we have challenges, but nothing like what's already been accomplished for women leaders. Yeah. 
I think it's something that we all need to be very intentionally thoughtful about. I mean, that's clear. Well, and it happens accidentally. I mean, mm -hmm. we've talked so much about the unconscious bias in so many different regards, but you can see it happening just not intending to assume that the woman's not the leader or attending that they were home with the kids. But we see that unconsciously that kind of comes out in comments people might make. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Are there particular efforts in the community that you've been behind or efforts in the community around this topic that you encourage all of us to be watching right now? That's a really good question. I know one group that I've been involved with for a number of years, Impact 100. I think you've been involved with them a little bit with some of your team. The things that Impact 100 is doing for the community is outstanding, and it allows the women to be involved in it and be a contributor in a great way to the or the city and the community. So definitely one place to be keeping an eye on, be involved in. One thing, the reason I like it is you can do as much or as little as you want. So if this year I want to be really involved, be on the board, I can. If next year I'm way too busy, it's no big deal just to be a donator. So that's one area. I've also been involved in some of the other women's programs. So like the Greater Cincinnati Chamber of Commerce, I went through the We Lead program a few years ago. And I think that was a really inspirational getting around 55, I think it was, 55 other women and really facing what makes us leaders and what helps us become better leaders. So any of those women's leadership programs are really, really effective. That's excellent. The couple that we're watching very closely right now include some of our faculty members with the Talent Magnet Institute. So you have the Cincinnati USA Regional Chamber is launching their Building Cultural Competency Program that's right. being spearheaded with Mary Stagaman, as well as Priya Klosik, Dr. Janet Reed. Anything Dr. Janet Reed is involved with, we follow closely. Right. And well, I think Tara Cook on our team has been involved with them on that initiative too, yes. and she's one of our employees. Yeah, and I'm sure there's others that, and we just thank you, thank you, thank you for all that you that are involved with that work are doing. And if you're not in greater Cincinnati, there's probably very similar programs, or at least I hope so, in your communities. But we believe that highlighting some of these Cincinnati USA efforts, because we are being very intentional on this work with conscious bias and building cultural competency and inclusion. The other is all of the work that's coming out of the Women's Fund of Greater Cincinnati Foundation. Megan Cummings is really promoting some terrific work with many people involved. All right. of Janice Urbanic's work with Partners for Competitive Workforce. And we've covered topics that have led to lots of disparity and how we can bridge the gap with equity. And what does equity look like, both gender, race, socioeconomic status, and we think we need to cover all of those topics around equity that right. need to be brought up. And we've had those various episodes that have been released with Priya, with Jill Meyer of the Cincinnati USA Regional Chamber, with Megan Cummings of the Women's Fund of Greater Cincinnati Foundation, and Impact 100 Leaders in Reference and how important right. that movement is for us all to gain the respect that should have been given all along the way. And I thank you for being a part of that work. Another really good one that we do a lot of support for is Dress for Success, too. And wow, the stories that I've heard of individuals that have gone through that program and where they've come out on the other side is absolutely amazing. Mm -hmm. And it's taken the community to help put support behind Dress for Success to be able to do the things that they're doing for the women going through the program. But some of them are as down as you could ever imagine from many different angles. 
And Dress for Success is able to pick them up and get them employed and help them keep a job and have a life and have their kids be happy together. That's excellent. Yeah, it's interesting with the body of work because once you start peeling the onion one layer at a time, you realize the hundreds of people who are involved, the organizations that are overlapping, and really the ecosystem, whether it's for conscious bias and inclusion or whether it's for workforce pipeline, that there's partners that are leading it from a funding perspective, but they're partnering with hundreds of volunteers and people and, you know, both from politicians to business owners to community leaders. And we want to thank all of those. You know, Robin and I are both very involved in so many nonprofit works in our community. And we just want to thank everyone that we've had the opportunity to work with and volunteer with and are encouraging to just keep doing your best work and helping bring out the best good in all people. Thank you very much for that. So Robin, let's talk a little bit about the, as a business grows from startup to 18 employees and 100 independent adjunct faculty and team members that you can pull into, how has the business growth, what sophistications, what have you had to look at differently Are there pivotal times in that experience where you were, wow, I need to now approach this differently now that I'm this size and this scale? Anything you could share there? Absolutely. And actually, it's become one of the things that I probably enjoy most about what I do is I can work with business owners, whether they're starting out or hitting some of those hiccups and talking to them. It just really is refreshing to be able to help them have that success. Obviously, when I started out, I was one. So it was me. So I was a consultant and doing the project work that was coming in. We had our first employee probably two or three years later, and she's still with us today, Patty Dunham. So then you kind of switch into, I'm growing the business. I'm doing some of the work, but I'm finding work for someone else and working with that person, somewhat managing them. So there's been different times where we've added employees. For a number of years, I added them when I'm like, oh my gosh, what would I do if they left me now? (laughs) That must be time to hire. Again, which is not what you would normally tell your, your business owners is keeping his contract until you really need them. But I think each of those steps where we've grown and hit different milestones of number of people, Again, for me, I probably would say first I was a consultant, then I became a working manager consultant, and then today I'm more in an executive role where I'm managing the business. And there's been just different steps throughout that that have had to evolve and make me make shifts. I was really surprised about five years ago, we moved into an office. (laughs) Somebody's like, you've been in business 19 years and you've never been in an office? We mostly work with clients remotely or from home or from their office most of the time. So it never was a need. And someone said, you'll now be a real business. You kind of ponder going, well, what have we been? (laughs) But I cannot tell you the difference it's been since we actually got that office. It really has, I don't know why brick and mortar would do that, but brick and mortar really did make a big leap for the business. That's probably when we saw the biggest growth is in the last five or six years. And at 18 employees, I can't be as involved in the day-to-day. I start working on what all the CEO roundtables and all the business coaches say is you need to be working on the business, not in the business. So that's been a big challenge for me to learn and learn how to cope with and figure out the best ways to do that. And again, a lot of times you have those different things that every business owner is going through. You know, when do I need to hire HR? Should I outsource my finance? What do I need to do from a policy perspective? So as much as we're coaching clients on that, we're experiencing it firsthand. So it's been an interesting journey. <laughs> I bet. I bet. And as you have gone through that journey, have you had to adjust, tweak your advisors that are 
providing support to you from an outside perspective because of the sophistication you've had to go through? Advisors as meaning the employees or advisors that are coaching and helping me personally? Coaching and helping you personally. They've been the ones that have pivoted probably quicker than okay. I've been pivoted. They, I mean, again, Linda Gravitt being a very key person to that. I've been in a CEO roundtable with the chamber for a number of years, mm -hmm. and the team itself is really good because we're all in different industries, different sizes. And I also have a business coach now. So I'd say all three have been good about pushing me to where do you need to be now? What should you be focusing on now? Why are you doing that? I think I have a note on my desk that someone said, whose job are you doing right now? Let mm. it go. Wow, <laughs> like, that's a good so I kind of have to keep looking at it. Okay, whose job am I doing? Could someone else do this so that I can focus maybe on the team building of our team or more the strategy for the business? But it's hard. And I see owners all the time. It's hard to let go of those things because it's another child to you. Yeah. That's a really good quote for all of us to write down on a post-it note and stick on our monitor. Whose job are you doing right now? And Robin let it Throckle. go. <laughs> <laughs> and let it go is the key part. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's really great. Yeah. You know, the importance of surrounding ourselves with people that are willing to, that look at us and the way we operate through their lens and bring their life experiences and learnings. I remember Jean Lauterbach, one of the Vistage executives in town. I had the opportunity to get paired up with her in the Metropolitan Club's mentor program, oh, which great. is one of the largest mentor programs in our community. And I was paired up with her prior to taking over our family business. And I remember those coaching moments, the things that she shared a couple of books, one called Double Double that she, I Cameron love Harold, that book. She encouraged me to read that. I happened to be going on a little vacation and was able to get through the book during that vacation. I mean, it really like helped me understand and knowing my goals and aspirations as we grow our organization, things are going to have to look differently. And who are your partners? And I remember her saying distinctively that when you go from a functional leader to running the organization, that whole isolation at the top, which we talk a lot about now yeah. in our podcast work, is very true. And your closest friends, that circle will shrink because you have less time for acquaintances, right? You're going to have more acquaintances and less friends, but right. those friends are going to be that much more important to having in your inner circle at all times. And that's where roundtables, the CEO roundtable at, right. the, at the chamber, Vistage, YPO, EO, all of these roundtables are really healthy. You've got to be around people who care about you and you have to have friends. You've got to have the 3 a.m. friend that you can call in case of an emergency. And that's where we really have to be careful as entrepreneurs and leaders that we don't get out so far ahead of ourselves that we realize we all of a sudden almost help put ourselves in isolation because we're so busy running a business. Right. The balance piece. I know that, again, I've always been encouraged by it appears very well that you do life well, that there's always, yes, I'm running a business, but I also know how to enjoy family or wow, to what go a great to compliment. A beach. <laughs> I feel like I do it. I try to do it, so but it's good that it, it looks that way, but you have to work hard to do it. Yeah. I told someone one time they were talking about what I was doing or working too many hours or something like, you got to remember the business is another child. Mm. So as much as you want to walk away from it, it's still another child to you at some level, but the better you can be at setting boundaries, 
And again, I'm like the pot calling the kettle black here because I personally don't feel like I did it. But that's been my mission since the beginning is how can I have balance to enjoy my kids as well as be able to do some of the things I enjoy at work and making time for it. My business coach a few years ago said, you got to do it. So I've been doing Club Pilates three days a week for a year and a half now, which, you know, if you asked me two years ago, I've been like, there's no way. <laughs> how would I ever fit yeah. that in, right? Uh, last year, I made myself do the Thursday night ladies golf league. And those are just things that you're like, how would I ever do that? I don't have time to do that. Mm. So you somehow have to make yourself do some of those things. And likewise, if you're on vacation, again, you're an owner too. You're going to check email. You're going to check in. But you got to have those days where you're out on the fishing boat or disconnected somehow. And you can always go back and check later. So just making sure you get those moments. And I think somebody said, and I'm the worst at this, is make sure that you're present. Let's look around. We said this morning when I came in, did you hear the birds this morning? Mm -hmm. If you're too busy, you miss those kind of things. So stopping wherever you are and having that moment of what's going on around me. Look at my kids because they're going to be 24 soon. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and being able to try to take in the moment that you have. And it's hard. I don't know that I have a secret formula for it because I feel like I still battle it today. But I believe we can all, and present company included, can say it's a journey. Oh, it's a journey. Right? And, and it's one we have to keep in mind every day. I was with a group of executives yesterday and we started the meeting. There were 50 plus people in this group. We started the meeting with seven minutes of deep breathing and <laughs> meditation. And that felt everyone's comment after was, that felt really good. Um, and Dr. Chantel Thomas, who led that effort said that those first seven minutes of your day, there's a very a significant statistic that that will set the tone for the rest of your day. Your first seven minutes, how you wake up, what you're mindful of, taking some deep breaths and breathing in oxygen, because a lot of individuals even have a hard time breathing consistently, believe it or not. And those first seven minutes of the day will help control the way you view the rest of the day and how you go about that day from an energy perspective, from an attitude perspective. And the beauty is we have control of that, but we have to take control right. of that actively. It's hard too. I have two kids, like I said, are all grown now, but I know the years of growing up, they both have different hidden disabilities. And that first seven minutes you're talking about could be them screaming they're not going to school. <laughs> so parents, it's hard to have that seven minutes when you're rushing around in the morning, but you're so right, not letting that set your day and figuring out how not to. I know I told somebody the other day, the Pilates class that I'm doing, the reason I like it is it almost forces you into that meditation state. They have you doing things that take coordination. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, I got to think about how I lift my arm and push my leg and do this. So it takes your mind off of everything. Mm -hmm. So finding whatever that something is that makes you just empty your mind, whether it's seven minutes of breathing, whether it's a Pilates class, yoga, Tai Chi, sitting out on the deck, what's going to let you get everything off your mind? It seems to really be the most refreshing. That's wonderful. Yeah, let's encourage all of us to slow down a little bit and take that time. And I know for me personally, it's a struggle. I love what I do. I love what I do and I stay and I'm involved in a lot of things because in my mind, there's a tremendous amount of overlap and I feel called to yeah. the connectivity and the abilities and the passion. But there certainly are seasons where I'll be like, boy, two years ago, I was doing yoga four days a week. 
I felt so clear. And so, and then the last two years have just been incredible, but my personal time goes out the window very quickly. And I've started using the full focus planner a year ago to try to get more focused on, okay, I can only do so many things today. What are my primary objectives? How do I stay focused? Which has really allowed the capacity to increase because the things that we are doing as an organization and as myself as a leader of those organizations to really stay focused on in order to do this, here are the three things I need to be able to achieve this week to move these forward and everything else, I'm sorry, but it's not going to be able to get done. But physical, personal health is for me, one of the very first things to go. And I struggle with that. I've struggled with that for years. So I'm going to let this be an encouragement to me, (laughs) not just our listeners, but also to me to maybe hop back into a yoga practice and do a 30-day challenge or something. I say even if it's one day a week or five-minute session that you do, whatever would give you that relief. That's what I seem to see the most in the Pilates classes I'm doing. That's wonderful. You mentioned earlier, Mike, about Double Double. Cameron Harold actually presented to a Vistage conference a few years ago. It's probably where, where Jean had that. And I did the same thing as you. I was on vacation, which we just said not to do. But it was a place where I could clear my nine and not be interrupted by other things as I read through the book. Once we left that vacation, I had like five people on the team read the book. Mm-hmm. It's an excellent book, making you really think about where the business could be. And we ended up rolling it out to our team at a Cheers for Art, where we painted our core values mm-hmm. as part of the painted picture and then sat and described what would the business look like in three years and what do we need to do to get there. It was a really good book. And it's fun because that was literally three years ago this December, and we've accomplished, I'd say, nearly everything on the list, which we thought we wouldn't be realistic. A couple of people read the plan and said, what are you thinking? I'm like, well, got to be big picture. I got to think, what would we look like? How do we, what do we need to do to get there? And it was really fun to see us tackling and working toward each of those items on the list. Mm -hmm. It's been really exciting. Well, we will put a copy of that in our show notes. And since, Robin, you and I both have read that. That's awesome. We would invite feedback. We would invite questions or when you read this, what did you think? And and we can do that through using the hashtag talent magnet. We can also do that by just encouraging you to reach out to Robin or myself and engage in conversation on that topic. Because I think it's a between that and the advisors, whose job are you doing right now and how can you let it go? Yeah. Um, that will definitely be a quote for this episode, as well as just the mindfulness and thoughtfulness of how you're taking care of yourself. Right. What great topics to unpack here. In terms of business and or, or life, what makes you most proud? Wow, that's a great question. Life probably is my kids. It's exciting to see all the things that we navigated through. And at 24 and 23 years old, almost 24 and 23, Mm -hmm. they've successfully gone through the program in college they wanted. And now they're both working full-time at great companies in IT and really seem happy. I don't know where tomorrow will take them, but they've been able to get to that. And then, of course, I said my business is another child. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) very happy with the business. We've got a team of 18 that are the most fabulous team. I mean, they have energy. 
They love what they're doing, their passion, their commitment to the clients, very customer focused. I've had a couple of them say, I can't even imagine working somewhere else, but you want them to think that, but just hearing them say it sometimes is amazing. So we've just got the most amazing team of people that have great ideas and are really working collaborative to help each other. So I do have to be pretty excited about what we have and what we've gained. One of our double-double vision goals was to get on Inc. 5000 list. I'm like, How's that ever going to happen? But let's give it a try. 2017, we were on the Inc. 5000 list, about 3,000 on it. But hey, we were on it on a national list. And when they published it in Cincinnati, we were right smack in the middle or the top half of it. So it was a real exciting accomplishment that really felt like a huge stretch goal. (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome, Robin. Well, thank you so much for the encouragement today. I know I'm going to walk away and have many reflections that I can think about personally, and I hope our listeners do as well. Again, Robin and I welcome you to reach out to us and engage in conversation. Robin, thank you for leading well. Thank you for being a part of our efforts in the Talent Magnet Institute and uh, helping organizations achieve their best as they help others do the same. Oh, no problem, Mike. Like I said, that's my passion. I love working with other business owners that are navigating through what you and I have been navigating ourselves. So it's my pleasure. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Talent Magnet Institute podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode and help spread the word by leaving a review. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is powered by Centennial, a talent strategy and executive search firm, and the Talent Magnet Institute. You can engage with us at Talent Magnet I on Twitter or Talent Magnet Institute on LinkedIn and Facebook. Please communicate by using hashtag Talent Magnet. Find us in your favorite podcast app to subscribe, rate, and leave a review, as well as share with a colleague. You can also listen at talentmagnetpodcast.com. Our podcast studio is based in greater Cincinnati, Ohio. We are supported by our listeners, clients, and partners from all over the world. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is made possible by a great team that includes Janelle Spence and Christine Lewis of Centennial, Josh Chappelle and Adam Smith of Soundpress, produced by Chris Madine of New Fidelity Studios, and Audra Casino and Megan Doherty of One Stone Creative. Music written by DJ Corbett and Chris Madine. And myself, your host, Mike Zippel Jr., Thank you for joining us on the journey of developing leaders to succeed in relationships, work, community, and life, reframing success in leadership.